Hi, I'm Amy. Hi, I'm Roisin. Hi, I'm Tara. Welcome to Yannick Boom, the occasional podcast where three deadly feminist midwives discuss women's reproductive and sexual health. This week, Ooh. this episode, we're going to talk about breastfeeding. Woohoo! Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for all the feedback for our last couple of episodes. It's yes. great being back and it's lovely getting so it's many nice so messages lovely. from you all. Really, really enjoying it. Really happy to be back. Season two, on the roll. On the roll? <laughs> on a roll? <laughs> on the roll, recording occasionally. I know words. <laughs> um, just at the top of this episode, we thought we'd like to acknowledge that we're using the term breastfeeding because that would be the language that we all would use to describe our personal experiences and the one that we're most familiar with in our professional practice. But we just want to acknowledge that there are lots of people who don't refer to it as breastfeeding, who may use a term like chest feeding or another term altogether, and that we just want to acknowledge that those experiences are equally as valid and that we're accepting of all of that terminology. Um, But you will just hear us using breastfeeding for this episode. Sadly. Great. So it's impossible for us to cover everything. Obviously, it's such a vast topic. We could probably be here forever. Yeah, forever. Five hour old Yannick Boom style. Um, three, <laughs> three part episode. So we are just going to we've tried to narrow it down to a couple of relevant topics. So Tara, you're going to kick us off with some stats. We've got a couple of stats here. Um, OK. Here we go. Average numbers in Ireland. So numbers initiating breastfeeding in hospital, uh, 63.8%. And then on leaving hospital, so obviously the average hospital stay is between, what, 36 and 96 hours maybe? Um, Yeah. Yeah. 37.3%. And then... um, at three months, so this this number is from, um, these numbers are from the HSE um, in the first half of 2020. At three months, 30% um, of uh, people are breastfeeding and only only feeding with breastfeeding. Um, so that's actually, that's actually, be- I thought that's better than I actually thought it was going to be. Yeah. yeah, I thought the initiating numbers, I suppose maybe that's like an old statistic that stuck in my mind was like around 51 to 55%. So like it is nice to see that's coming up. Yeah, I think that's an improvement. Um, I don't have a number here for six months. And then like where do we rank in the world? So there's a UNICEF paper released in 2018 and that stated that Ireland was the lowest of 121 countries assessed for babies that ever received breast milk at 55%. Um, so actually maybe that number that 63.8 is kind of showing an improvement there um, followed by France at 63% the US at 74 and then many other countries coming in around about 90% so that's just okay. ever having received any breast milk mm. so it's not like any length of time like that's you know just do you any, think any at all like anecdotally from work that you see improvements girls I think so. I think that there are more more yeah. people certainly open to 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 feeding, open to over to, the last yeah. 10 years. Yeah. That yeah. I've been there. I just I found towards so. the end of yeah. I found towards the end of finishing in the maternity hospital that 
it had become a little bit tentative again, like asking people how they were feeding mm-hmm. and it, it had come a bit become a bit guarded again. Just curious. Mm. Yeah. Um I I think that element is always there. Like even today I was doing a booking and the a woman that I was booking in she has an eight-year-old and we were just like you know chatting like you go through all this stuff and and I was like and how did you feed her and she was like oh I bottle fed her and I was like that's fine is that your plan for this baby and she was like yeah like her shoulders went up like her face totally yeah. tensed and I was like no that's absolutely fine I was like you can tell me whatever you want like it's it's there is no judgment here whatsoever I was like that's grand and she was like mm. yeah I know it's just and I was like no no I was like I was like giving you a blunt answer because we'd obviously like built a bit of a rapport at this stage like we were having a bit of a chat I was like I'll be really honest nobody has time to worry about whether or not you're breastfeeding your baby <laughs> like yeah like that's the reality like that's, yeah, yeah it's hard truths like, whatever you I don't know I mean obviously it must be the experience of some people that they feel mm-hmm. that they've been that they're going to be forced into it but I I do think that that's more of a generational issue like I've had people being there and I've had them ring their mom after they've had the baby and I've and I can you know the way you can hear the person's voice coming through the phone yeah <laughs> yeah and like on more than like a few occasions I've heard and what did she say when you said you weren't breastfeeding and Stop, like, really? Yeah, that happened loads of times. And she was, and like the person would be like, obviously, it's grand. Because <laughs> yeah. it is always grand. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, I feel like it's going the other way as well a bit for like people who are choosing to breastfeed. That they're nearly, not embarrassed to say that they've decided to breastfeed. But it's always sort of couched with. Like I'm going to try. try for a yeah. prescribed amount of time or um, I will try. But if it doesn't work, I'm going to stop. Yeah. Which is also fine. But it seems like almost being apologist for mm-hmm. wanting to mm-hmm. even try that you have yeah. to have the but. That you're not allowed to just say, I really, this is really important to me. I really yeah. want to try and breastfeed yeah. my baby. It Because somehow be, then, yeah. yeah, if it doesn't work out or you have problems or you don't find the support that you need you're to blame for choosing to breast yeah. to want to breastfeed in the first place. Mm. Very interesting. Um, so we'll revisit. Yeah. We will revisit. <laughs> so just in regards to the figures, um, so Professor Amy Brown, who is amazing, you should follow her on Instagram. She has lots of really, really good and very kind of accessible information about breastfeeding. Um she wrote a piece about how it's really difficult to kind of define some of the lengths of breastfeeding because the terms and the definitions can be so um, fast between between studies. So yeah. she gave the example of one study where, so the outcome, the findings were that there was no differences found between formula fed and breastfed babies. In this study, babies were classed as formula fed unless they exclusively breastfed for more than two months, meaning babies who breastfed for a long time, but not exclusively were classed as formula fed. And then so there was babies who had been exclusively breastfed for 10 weeks, but they were in the formula group. So obviously there was. Yeah. So obviously there was no difference found between the two. But then obviously this was kind of heralded um, and was kind of published by a lot of national Mm -hmm. newspapers so she's kind of saying if we're looking at stuff like 
smoking, exercise, drinking, diet, we have universal measures. But for breastfeeding, we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's lacking. She's like, how are we not able to measure, like accurately measure breastfeeding? Yeah. So it's really good. Mm. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. Um, And you have to wonder where if somebody's kind of pushing a study like that, like you need to look at like who's funding it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so problematic, isn't it? Yeah. Like, why would it have been advantageous for those babies who fed breastfed for that long to be classed as formula feeders? Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Um, Um, Current research at the moment that's going on is so one big study that we know of. Um, I think it had around four and a half thousand participants, um, which is really good, is through the lobby group Banya Baha. And they're doing that in association with Liz O'Sullivan, who's a researcher from TUD. So the aim of the study, um, this is what they've kind of said themselves, is to assess what supports are available to people wishing to breastfeed with a view of pushing for reform. So it's amazing that we're having this conversation about breastfeeding and hopefully it's going to lead to improvements for people who want to breastfeed um one of my one something i was thinking of kind of is that i suppose they've stated that the aim is to get more support so it's not necessarily a full picture of infant feeding in ireland um yeah yeah which i couldn't find any up to date the last thing i found was the infant feeding survey 2008 where we're assessing we're asking all people who've had a baby about feeding choices I stand to be yeah. corrected about that the study that I, that I have one to tell you guys about that's mm. a bit more that's more up to date yeah but and is that finish, about you no no that your... was no that was just that was just what I was going to say just okay. I suppose that we kind of need to kind of look at all units yeah all demographics it probably needs to nearly be state-sponsored it research. needs to be state-sponsored research yeah, yeah for like the healthy what's not healthy ireland name of it healthy Mm. ireland yeah Yeah. but do you remember feeding in a healthy ireland i think is the hse policy one do you remember the uh the growing up in ireland study yes yeah so that was like looked at a group of babies at different individual at different uh milestones or different times in their life Mm. um i don't know is that still going on or did that just go on until they were 10 or something like that Mm, i'm not sure uh, must try and find that. Um, I had forgotten, uh, semi forgotten about it until now. Um, so the one that I have that Kiva sent us from Latch.ie. Um, love Kiva. Hi. Hi Kiva, um, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Friend of friend of breastfeeding people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my cousin. Um, so it's called wi- uh, women's experiences of initiating feeding infant feeding shortly after birth in Ireland, a secondary analysis from the National Maternity Experience Survey. And that's by Murphy et al. 2022. So, um, this uh, maternity experience survey was sent out to people or like a link was sent out to every person that gave birth in Ireland in October 2019 or November 2019 for some of the smaller units because they wanted to capture people from every single maternity unit and uh, people who'd had a home birth. 
Oh, amazing. That's so, brilliant. Yeah, so they all received like a letter uh, with a link in it and then they received two reminder like survey links and the final one had a paper version that if you couldn't get online or whatever that you could um, post it back. So, That's great. Oh, brilliant. Um, and then, so they put all this information together and this, this bit of it... Um, is the kind of feeding bit. So um, there was just over 50% response rate, which is really good, like for a voluntary questionnaire. Um, you know, that's it, when it, whenever you're reading research, you see the, the dropout rate or the response rate and 50% is, is pretty good. And it means that it's pretty like generalizable. So basically this is exactly what I've just called for that research yeah. has been done. <laughs> and I just didn't find it. Pretty much. <laughs> That's why I was like gesturing, but you're probably reading. But you have it now. Yeah. But look, the main thing is that they've listened to what I've said. <laughs> and... <laughs> um, so the, there were some closed ended questions and there were some open ended uh, like spaces to put a text answer in. So obviously there was a massive amount of information to disseminate and I'm only going to give a small sh- snapshot of it. Um, but a lot of the questions they were asked... Um, their answers were like yes always yes sometimes um, no or I didn't want that or I didn't need that um, so say if it came to things like was your feeding choice respected you know for example um, okay so in the first few days uh, 41.9% of women uh, breastfed I've written alone as in breastfed only um I know we're going to talk about like the language later but like okay. breastfed exclusively <laughs> as we would say uh 29% combined and 29.1 used formula only um in general people answered yes always to questions regarding support and encouragement with feeding choices both in hospital and at home for the most part multi- multiparous women so women who've had people who've had a baby before felt their feeding choices were respected and or they did not feel that they required advice refeeding choice this was not the same case for the uh primaparous women so people having their first baby um so they kind of felt that that they weren't as in general it was yes always respected but the number of people that felt sometimes they weren't fully supported was a bit higher in people having their first baby um, which kind of like obviously it's very jarring as a midwife like to think that that is the case but then mm. when you think back to okay you guys have each got one baby I have two and I had a very different experience on the second from the support you received in hospital I think my own attitude towards the support I didn't require the same level of support the second time yeah so a lot of the multiparous women they said either, yep, my feeding choice was fully uh, respected or I didn't need that support. Okay. Because you're kind of going in there being like, this is what I did the last time, this is what I'm going to do this time. Whether that's the same or different. And I wonder, yeah, it's hard to know what, because that's such a broad thing, feeling respected, isn't it? Yeah. Like in your choice. Yeah. 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 Where some women would think, being advised to give 
a jaundice baby formula when they want to exclusively breastfeed is not respecting their choice. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's pretty vast. Yeah. But I suppose like there's space for valid. Like obviously, you know, I'm not saying those feelings are invalid at all. I'm just wondering the interpretation of that can be so broad. Yeah. So I suppose, and that's why they included text. So they put some open-ended questions and then they put some text, a text base at the end of the survey basically saying do you want to tell us anything else that we've missed so um it sounds pretty kind of broad um in general yeah um are you guys hearing an echo or is that just me no no not on my end no 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 okay that's fine i can hear my voice that's all okay no worries um (laughs) Sorry. I can hear an echo when I talk as well. Hopefully it's not just three people echoing into the- <laughs> Imagine. The- Tara talking to Tara, Amy talking to Amy. <laughs> the worst sounding podcast in, in Ireland. Okay. Um, so usual suspects stood out with regard to issues that people had. Lack of consistency with information. Staff shortages and workload was to blame with regard like offering formula top-ups for breastfed babies. And um, so like people, people basically wrote... Um, I know that my breastfeeding would have been fine, but the midwife was really busy and she just offered me formula rather than help me for 10 minutes. And then even parents who chose to formula feed also felt that they had a lack of attention paid to them. So like, even though they were struggling with getting to grips with the feeding, um, they felt the midwife is too busy for me. They're spending all of their time with the breastfed, breastfeeding moms or parents. Um, but I think that in itself can be a, a whole episode as well. Like, okay, obviously, infant feeding yeah. in general. Um, and then the paper referenced this other study by Toomey et al. in 2021. Um, and I think that was looking largely at public health nurses, but basically it like in Ireland as well. And it stated that healthcare workers basically say that like lack of staffing capacity um, and the ability to find trustworthy and unbiased information as kind of a barrier to delivering interventions that promote healthy infant feeding behaviours. Um, and I mean, postnatal is always referred to as like the Cinderella service. That I 100% agree. Yeah, like it's <laughs> yeah. always busy. It never seems to have enough staff. Um, you know, it's, like it's, a- it's nonstop. And I think breastfeeding advice any feeding advice actually is sort of like a snowball effect on a postnatal ward yeah if you're a junior member of staff and you hear another midwife giving someone advice and that sounds like it's working then you you absorb that without maybe necessarily realizing and then you're giving that advice and then you're maybe having a student shadow you and then they're picking up that advice Mm. and it just it ends up then becoming maybe not so much evidence-based all the time as opposed to anecdotal sometimes. Yeah, and it's that's what's done here. And yeah. yeah. And so then parents leave the hospital and they hear other people having had different experiences or getting different advice or even hearing people in the next room having got different advice from a different member of staff because mm-hmm. they've absorbed different information from mm. the people that they've worked with. And so it just is like this weird... Like, I was told this, but I was told that. Yeah. It's very... um, It's very very challenging to standardise what every single healthcare professional is saying. Yeah. 
I and mean, then even more we, so. We when... do, of course, but it's <laughs> still doesn't. But seem I suppose to be... that's. It's so difficult to also then make sure that every midwife and doctor and mm. NICU nurse and theatre nurse has gone to that course and exactly. has received the information in the same way and has kind of adopted an ethos of mm. promoting mm. breastfeeding and even just in terms of looking at like the different professions of like pediatricians midwives obstetricians everyone has a different kind of skin in the game of mm. infant yeah. feeding yeah and so then that also skews the advice that you get absolutely it's it is a really tricky one and obviously like one of the things that that study like one of the recommendations is kind of standardized training and you know everybody's singing off the same hymn sheet but as you said Roisin one person comes in and says something it's overheard Mm. by somebody else Mm. and it's just you know and I think you know even from my own friends that have had babies in the last two years the advice is it's it's not uniform and it's sometimes um genuinely bad information and yeah bad advice Mm -hmm. and unhelpful and none of it is really kind of it's all just coming from a kind of a tick box yeah feeding the baby it's not necessarily coming kind of from a looking at how this person wants to feed their baby in the future it's all about the here and the now and someone just saying this baby is fed and this baby's weight is this on this day yeah absolutely to fill in the form I think if everyone just looks at that one little thing because it's so the care is just so fragmented and then as a result we've lots of people doing that for this person and they don't really have a long-term goal yeah or plan Sorry, yeah, as we, as we I, I definitely found that working on the postnatal ward, like sometimes when you'd ask people like, what are your feeding goals or what are you hoping to achieve here? Um, what do you want feeding to look like for you? Like what's going to work in your family life? They'd look at you like you'd had 10 heads. Yeah. Mm. Because nobody had ever sort of said that to them before. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to stand here and tell you, you know, to breastfeed your baby standing on your head. If what you really want to do is go home and give them a bottle. Mm. like it has to be the advice that you need to receive yeah totally um speaking of advice (laughs) on the postnatal ward um like we kind of talked a lot about uh what we could get across in a podcast medium and we i like there's we can't teach you how to breastfeed your baby through a podcast. We can give you plenty of information and talk about all of that, but we didn't want to just have this kind of monotonous prescriptive positioning attachment thing because it doesn't transfer. I don't think no. the knowledge in that way. No. Um, but I thought I'd just do like a quick recap on kind of important uh, topics to have in your mind if you're planning or hoping to breastfeed your baby or if you're maybe just had a baby or whatever um so I suppose the first things would be to try to feed your baby in the first hour after they're born um to really prioritize skin to skin um and there's loads of things that you can learn about skin to skin 
but I suppose the things to look up that might make you realize how amazing and wonderful it is and how important it is to successful breastfeeding is um the magical hour is probably a good thing to Mm -hmm. look Mm -hmm. up so basically it's like let your baby spend that time on your abdomen slash chest completely skin to skin after birth and what will happen is they will instinctively achieve these nine kind of steps um that will lead to hopefully them breastfeeding Mm. and there's no sort of set like this is going to happen at at one minute and 55 seconds and this is going to happen at three minutes and 10 seconds it's all just you and your baby and it's very instinctual and it's sort of like developmental kind of thing it's like the first thing that they're going to do in the world is basically be on your skin and feel the world and feel you and get a sense of what's going on and that their instinct then is to make their way to the breast and to try and do that as uninterrupted as possible, which we know is not always easy to achieve in every environment that you might be having your baby in, but that you can resume that then. So if you're in a maternity hospital and it's a busy labor ward environment and you're being moved to a postnatal ward before you've had your hour of skin to skin that you can resume that when you get to your postnatal ward and and then just in terms of like the talk of positioning attachment good latch um i think it would be important to know now that there's a big move towards again like tara you said we're going to talk about language and stuff like that what people are referring to as possibly natural breastfeeding positions or laid back breastfeeding positions and i think sometimes when people hear that they get a bit freaked out because they think you're like a lot of people maybe think laid back breastfeeding is like lying flat on a bed and having your baby like smushed yeah. in on top of your breast and I have to say the first time that I did laid back feeding with a woman in the labor ward um it was a bit like that. <laughs> like it was a bit awkward like that you know yeah. it just takes getting used to but actually what we're talking about I think I prefer the term comfortable breastfeeding positions than natural yeah mm. and what that means is like that the person breastfeeding their body the best way that it's been described to me on my um lactation course that I'm doing at the moment is that their body the muscles in their body feel fully comfortable mm-hmm. and supported mm-hmm. so whether that's lying slightly on your side or lying back a bit or but having loads of support of pillow or bed or couch or whatever that you don't feel like you're putting any work into holding your body in the position that you need to to breastfeed yeah and that the baby's body is completely touching like yes. whether they're dressed or not like but that the baby's body is against your yeah. body as well yeah yeah and like obviously I think previous breastfeeding advice would be very like trying to be catchy up, and to get right. people to yeah sit bolt upright <laughs> yeah. and all this so the main things are comfortable for mum and have baby close to you with their head and body in alignment and that they're like fully in contact with you. And I thought it was interesting. Um, there's a woman who is like the guru of all this breast natural, comfortable breastfeeding um, positions. Her name is Nancy Moorbacker. And she has loads of videos on YouTube that you can look up where she kind of sits and chats with women who are breastfeeding or who have breastfed. And she asks them to show her. Mm. the positions that they would have breastfed in or she asked them to latch their baby on in the video and you just get to see 
the people like shifting their body into those comfortable positions mm-hmm. and stuff and then Nancy points out like see why you did that that's because you can completely relax then and that makes it much easier for you to concentrate on your baby being that in a good position lovely. and getting a good latch it's really lovely yeah. I didn't do any of that I yeah, saw her give a talk I. a few years I, ago it was great I thought I was doing it but mm. I certainly was not I was no. still very much like I have to fix myself up straight and all this kind of stuff yeah, yeah no, I was yeah 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 I I found laid back feeding quite tricky um I I found it I found it hard until my baby had a bit of head control yeah. Um, I found it. I found it quite difficult. I quite liked, um, sitting and just holding them, kind of cross cradly, or like I really liked rugby as well, like kind of you know. But then, I found it comfortable to sit up nice and straight because I'd had a section. Like, if I was sitting on a sore perineum, like I don't think it'd be any crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true, Tara. Do you know, yeah. like I, the, like two days after I had each of the girls, I remember literally sitting up cross-legged on the bed uh, that's exactly an eye dissection as well that's exactly the way I was feeding yeah. because yeah you don't want to have anything on your lower uh, abdomen yeah and you're yeah. kind of don't want to be too yeah yeah um and I think from a healthcare worker perspective from a midwife perspective you know when you're you're helping somebody to latch a baby on and you're, yeah. you're literally, you're physically, you're, you you know, you're hands on or you're, you have hands on your on the baby and the mum has hands on the breast. Um, the kind of cross cradle is so like, yeah, here we go now. Open the mouth and here you go. On you go. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's the thing is as well. And like, that's easy for everybody to see what's going on yeah. in that yeah. scenario. Yeah. So lots of this stuff won't come to you until you're at home yeah. and you're latching your baby on yourself and you're getting a f- kind of week to 10 days to two weeks into yeah this actually works better and I feel more comfortable like this yeah. and yeah exactly but but yeah no for me I definitely was sitting upright until like unless I was lying down like I really liked feeding lying down as well but I definitely was sitting upright but I think that's to do with the fact that I didn't have a, a sore undercarriage yeah like I naturally <laughs> and I st- it's funny I I still do now like when I go to sit on the couch I naturally put one foot Mm -hmm. like one Mm -hmm. leg under myself so I'd be slightly sitting to one side okay without like I just I just did it yeah 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 and then like I got really sore like hip in that (laughs) side because I kept going to like like leaning slightly to the right to be like off my stitches yeah yeah it's mad like um, and then the other thing is with the latch, like I think it's such a source of like mixed messages and confusion for a lot of people that like what is the perfect latch and what does it look like and it has to look a certain way. Um, I suppose they're not, not that there's a move away from that, like there are certain kind of things that you're still trying to see in a good latch so that would be like that the baby's mouth is full that their lips are flanged out um but like a big thing and more important for a breastfeeding person to focus on is that it feels comfortable to them and the shape of their nipple after they finish feeding Mm. so it shouldn't be yeah if you're basically think of the tip of a lipstick yeah it should be rounded basically after you're finished to feed if it's like the tip of a lipstick your baby doesn't have it in the right place in their mouth yeah um and And that is really obvious it's not um you know 
bleeding or hanging off. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other things that I thought would be kind of important to recap on for people just to kind of be thinking about is I think a thing that people just say to breastfeeding people and expect them to get is to know your baby's feeding cues. <laughs> and like that, it's that really that's hard. just information that you know. Ah, like no. What feeding, what feeding cues are. Ah, no. But like I find a lot of the time, like you'd be going into people in the ward and be like, they'd be asking you, should I feed them now? And I think people are like, yeah, those are feeding cues, but they don't say, see the way your baby is doing X or Y. That's what you need to look out for. Okay. So things like turning their head, licking their lips, sticking yeah. their tongue out. Yeah. Those sorts of things. Interesting. Do you know? And then like on the thing of feeding cues is to feed your baby when they're calm, <laughs> which is a really, like really hard. Really hard one because then you'd never go asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're always just watching to see when do they start yeah. turning the their head. they yeah. lick their lips. Yeah. yeah, it is really hard. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say your baby will not latch on if you catch them and they're crying after that, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You know, of course. It's just it's optimal good to do to it. kind of know yeah. from a starting off point. Yeah, and also, do you know the way like as a midwife like you hear babies crying all the time, but then you hear your own baby crying and even still my younger girl it's a dagger to the heart cries in a certain way it vibrates something in my ear yeah and I have to do something about that like and it's very have, like we've said that before haven't yeah. we that it's genetics um they're designed to get to your brain in a certain way yeah so like when when your baby is crying it's just that the stress the stress hormones start coming in and it's going to just have a knock-on effect on the feeding but yeah it doesn't mean if you're going to breastfeed your baby that you can't close your eyes because they might cry equally it comes a point where you use your breast to stop them crying exactly regardless okay too regardless of what the issue is it's the ultimate exactly comfort yeah (laughs) yeah the ultimate mute mute button button. (laughs) 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 that's what my one of my friends says that who's been breastfeeding for years she's like you look like you have a problem and it looks like this might be the answer and then she just takes out her boob (laughs) i love that i love that that's so good how old is this child that she's been breastfeeding for years um she's breastfeeding so she's now tandem feeding a Almost four-year-old and a uh, newborn. Deadly. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. She's amazing. Hi, Shan, if you're listening. Hi, <laughs> Shan. <laughs> um, and then lastly, I think for in terms of like skills or things to know before you go have your baby and want to initiate a feed um, would be my biggest advice would be to have learned about hand expression before you have your baby and to have tried it out 100% before you have your baby 100% Um, so there's loads of um like videos like god you can look up so many videos on youtube and there's so many uh, lactation consultants now teaching classes of how to learn hand expression skills and like also just feel your breasts and have a go get to know like, the girls see what happens when you yeah see get what happens when them. you squeeze like 
does stuff come out? Does what does it look like? What does it feel like? Yeah. That's okay to do. Um, there's it's a really satisfying. Called, it's so satisfying. Isn't it? <laughs> it was my number um, one pregnancy hobby towards the end was expressing colostrum and just looking at the <laughs> syringes. Um, I got there's a website called. And I was just going to come to that. Um, there's a website called firstdrops.com, mm-hmm. which has lovely videos and information on starting hand expressing. And actually the HSE on breastfeeding.ie have a nice, um, oh my God, my brain, not verbal. What's the thing? What's the <laughs> word when things are written out? <laughs> oh my written? God yeah sure written instructions <laughs> on how to hand express I was trying to think of a fancy word but never mind um, but all to say that anything that you get hand expressing or not antenatally is absolutely no indication of future supply it's more so for you to learn that skill yeah before you're in the thick of engorgement sleep That's deprivation a really good engorgement point. a crying baby you haven't been in your own bed for four nights. There's four other babies on the ward crying. You, like, you're so sore. You can't get, you know. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. So learn that before you get in there. Such a magical time. And, <laughs> such a magical time. <laughs> um, and then, th- uh, what was I going to say to you? When to look for help, basically. So I think we'd all agree that not every person who is starting out a breastfeeding journey is going to need a lactation consultant yeah and I think but, that's actually quite yes. a common misconception Roshi it is yeah, yeah. that everybody's going to need a lactation consultant in order to breastfeed it's very much not the case and I think no. that's gotten that's really changed over the time that I've been a midwife like when I started it was I think people kind of seemed to know more what that role was and now it seems that people kind of think well I didn't get to see a lactation consultant there wasn't one available to me at 2am yeah. Um, yeah. and then they're kind of seeing and it's like midwives can and should be able to address normal yeah, breastfeeding these issues yes. normal bre- and normal breastfeeding yeah like if you're like if we you're are having... experts in breastfeeding yeah to and then and then lactation consultants are like that times a million obviously yeah Roshin is a lactation consultant. We are professionally in skilled in assisting with and facilitating breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, but when to kind of seek help, I suppose, whether that's asking your midwife before you're discharged from whatever maternity care you're you've been accessing, or going to a public health nurse or GP, um, would be if you're having persistent pain when feeding. Mm-hmm. So like that's different for everyone pain thresholds and all of that that's so actually only... a question for dear fanny which we can do we'll now come to at the end later, so I, yeah. I won't go into too much detail but basically beyond probably what would you say two weeks yeah, beyond if you're having beyond mild discomfort that settles within 30 seconds of starting a feed i i yeah like yeah it, it should ne- like but like for for the first 10 days yeah i i think I, I remember my sister-in-law would always wince when her babies latched. Like it never, mm. you know, and, and I think maybe that was part of that was her, you know, her letdown reflex was quite painful because that feeling of letdown is so difficult to describe. And when you feel it for the first few times, it's, 
it is. I only started getting that a few like weeks, weeks and weeks in. I didn't yeah. get that at the beginning. Um, and it can be quite. I think because painful. of my supply, like, yeah, it's a bit stingy, maybe. Stingy, yeah. yeah. Mine kind of felt like fizzing. Fizzing, yeah. Like, it as is. If there was fizzing. It's like pins. In my breast. It's like pins and needles. But um, yeah. and I think that so so. I suppose when we talk about pain, like, but that feeling doesn't last very long. But, you know, somebody might say, every time I latch my baby on, it hurts. And that can, yeah. you know, that can be it. But I would say some discomfort that doesn't settle beyond uh, 30 seconds of starting a feed. Like, you know, yeah, like, it's, is, so, it's so different for everyone. Like you wouldn't want like to be in pain for more than that. Yeah. Like people I've assisted before with feeding, do you know, some babies, like, particularly babies with a smaller mouth I I find when they're latching on they nearly like suck the nipple in between yeah they like just a, like their their gums really tightly but they do get it into the roof of their mouth but they're they yeah. l- literally yeah. pass it through a really tight set of gums and like some people find that part when it's going through the baby's gums mm. excruciatingly yeah, painful and some people don't even notice it yeah yeah. So it's so relative, but just to say that persistent pain, as Tara said, um, is not normal and should be reviewed by a healthcare professional. I would say my own personal experience, probably low supply, but with the caveat that lots of people perceive that they have low supply when actually mm. they're making enough milk for their baby. Yeah. It's so, just... so I suppose it's about knowing when the output is appropriate. Um, yes. Like knowing what you know, what nappies to expect for a baby. And there's loads of lovely yeah. posters and inf- infographs and all things online for that. Um, and if your baby is being weighed, you know, your baby doesn't have to be weighed every day, but like if the baby's being weighed by the public health nurse, um, you know, are they heading back towards their birth weight by two weeks of age? Or or maybe it's going to take them three weeks, but are they heading back towards it? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then are they kind of, gaining weight appropriately 150 to 200 grams per week after they've achieved their birth weight yeah and I think it's really important to have that as a figure in your mind because lots of times people just don't know yeah and you just get told a number your baby weighs this now and you're like okay cool is that okay yeah 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 exactly yeah like um my girls lost a huge amount of weight at the beginning they both lost 11.5 percent uh, the first one was dehydrated. The second one wasn't because we were giving her something like seven mils of formula top up per feed for the first few days via syringe. Um, so she wasn't dehydrated. Like she still lost the weight. So it took, they each took the three weeks to get back to their birth weight. Yeah. And then they did like start gaining. But like that, um, my supply was only ever just about enough. Do you know yeah. that kind of way like I couldn't have been somebody mm. to donate like I didn't have any extra yeah and that's such an anxious time when you're watching the scales yeah. and yeah wanting every gram and everything exactly so it is important it to is. have additional support then when you're thinking is it my supply is it the latch is it yeah. Yeah. something else absolutely and then um, I think okay oh, like for my own experience I know we're not sorry we're not even going down this road but anyway I eventually at 16 weeks I think my first girl stalled on weight gain and then we had to really start mixing things up but anyway Mm. (laughs) um I think then to kind of counter that some people with oversupply would probably need some support and involvement in how to manage an oversupply I actually think oversupply is harder than undersupply yeah like my sister had serious oversupply and on her first uh 
she found it really difficult. Like her daughter could latch on and feed, but then the letdown was just so forceful that her little girl was literally choking on the milk. And so she would do that. She would latch and feed for maybe five to seven minutes before it just became too much. And then my sister basically did that and pumped for... I think nearly 11 and a half months Jeepers, yeah. to get the milk into her. Um, and to get the milk and out then, of the Yeah. Well, that's wow, the other thing. She had like blocked ducts. To do it for that long. Yeah. And um, then on her second, did loads of work to try and slow things down. And he still would come off coughing and spluttering and drowning. And yeah. like, <laughs> I remember going over to her maybe like, two or three weeks after she had him and she, like even if she'd just bend down to pick something up off the floor she'd come back up and even that like compression of her breast yeah there'd just be milk pouring oh, down God. her front i would have like, been so jealous soaked all the time <laughs> i was so jealous because i was going through low supply at the exact same time i was like this isn't fair you need to give me some of you, you and i need to give you some of me yeah um but yeah like that is it's hard like pouring milk and being over full yeah. and getting blocked and all of that yeah. so definitely to link in with that um obviously with persistent pain sometimes comes nipple damage if you have significant nipple damage that isn't healing you would need to link back in for uh support and we talked touched on kind of weight loss and uh, monitoring nappy output there probably significant jaundice then as well um, yeah. is something that I'd say to a breastfeeding parent would need some extra support and those supports can be found through public health nurse if you're lucky to have one who's quite skilled with breastfeeding and maybe also happens to be a lactation consultant or have one in their health area a, a GP again if you're lucky to have one who's very pro breastfeeding and maybe also has some additional breastfeeding training and then um, a board certified lactation consultant which obviously we know is not affordable for all but we would encourage you to inquire with your GP or your public health nurse because a lot of the health areas now are having lactation consultant posts yeah put put it put into them does that make sense (laughs) yeah there's going to be lactation consultants in most health areas or community health areas um and then of course the breastfeeding support associations that we absolutely couldn't survive without a Lesh League and Quid you. They have like free, usually peer breastfeeding support counsellors. And friends of loads breastfeeding. Of, and friends of breastfeeding. Um, loads of support groups, which from what I'm hearing are coming back in yeah. to, to in-person person, now, which is yeah. amazing. Um, <clears throat> and then... They're really good. I went to one at nine weeks. And I was, I was really like, it was just so good, so supportive. And yeah. they do peer-to-peer support over WhatsApp. It's so important. It's unbelievable. Like, I, I was there and I was like, I can't actually believe, I didn't realise the level of support that was available Yeah, yeah. for people. Yeah. And I don't think we're telling, I think there's like one of the big things about breastfeeding issues is people feel that they have nowhere to turn to and that they have to go privately. But yeah. this is a whole... I don't know. Well, I, you can't say untapped resource because they're really busy. Yeah. Oh, it's an ambulance. Yeah. Oh, that I think that was me. Oh, we live really near a fire station, so it's just like I don't even hear it anymore. And Nell's favorite new word is ambulip. Oh. <laughs> and whenever she hears one, she just goes ambulip, ambulip. 
so cute. Um, um yeah, and was I gonna say peer-to-peer yeah peer support I, just it's amazing, it makes such a big difference to people. It is amazing. It definitely I'm sure was lacking for a lot of people. You guys both had pandemic babies. Um Oh, like I was absolutely saved by the fact that the like Quiva was my lactation consultant, latch.ie, Tara's cousin. Um <laughs> claim to fame. Um she, friend of the pod in in conjunction with two other lactation consultants ran a breastfeeding support group um that they created a WhatsApp group for us. Amazing. Um during the pandemic and also had Friday morning kind of like Zoom coffee mornings for us. Lovely. And I would have been so lost without that. Yeah. It was even just to have something at the start to punctuate the week and say, I'm doing this on Friday morning. I don't care if the baby is napping or not napping or yeah. da, 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 da. Yeah. that we like it was life saving. Yeah. Honestly, I would highly recommend any access you have to any of those kinds of things to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And on that note, I'm going to shout out to another friend of the pod, Sandy Dula, who is running her gathering community on again on Friday mornings getting together just a bunch of people for coffees um yeah, so yeah. anybody so gorgeous i'm honestly the... contemplating taking a friday off just so i can go to one because it sounds so lovely yeah. anybody in the kind of dublin or south county dublin area um get in contact with her she is at sandy doula on instagram and yeah they're just they're just really nice like when you go to something and you just meet like a real mix of people and everyone's just there to like have a chat and you're just like yeah this is this is so nice um and it can be kind of it can feel intimidating to go the first time because you're like I don't know anyone here and that that is a, a kind of a weird feeling but I think you know when you've kind of had a baby and you've kind of been through something to go along and just chat to other people it's actually you're like actually this is it's grand. such a nice way to spend your morning yeah it's lovely. yeah um, and you just kind of realise that everyone just wants to have a chat and that probably everyone was also a little bit nervous about doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, but but yeah, it's I highly, highly recommend trying to get mm-hmm. along to anything. Sling meets are getting back together again now um, as well for anyone like interested in baby wearing and stuff too. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Um, yeah. And then lastly, the, or the last thing I was just going to say, and I think we've touched on it lots or I mean alluded to it a lot is just the importance of preparation in any way shape or form that you can for a breastfeeding journey that like I think it's still a little bit of a misnomer that like breastfeeding just happens and that you can just turn up meet your baby and you're gonna breastfeed but actually we would say do a class look at online options there's loads of stuff now because of the pandemic like loads of maternity hospitals loads of healthcare providers have put loads of free content online that you can just watch yeah what does it look like when a baby breastfeeds what do people what does it look like when people hand express what does it look like you know in that position in this position all sorts of things that are readily available to you now so like start looking around for them during your pregnancy um, and then just to kind of know that you can 
do formal classes with maternity units if that's where you're going for your care you can obviously pay privately for classes and lots of those private classes are running breastfeeding specific classes um, and you can obviously antenatally link with a lactation consultant to set out kind of a feeding plan or goals and I would recommend that probably more so if you've experienced previous challenges yeah. with feeding um, and it's good to know that um, as we said there's loads uh, well not loads 40 <laughs> new lactation <laughs> consultant posts coming across hse hospitals and community healthcare groups which is brilliant and hopefully there's lots more to come yeah and and i think like worth acknowledging that actually there are plenty of midwives on the ward who are lactation consultants as well yeah you know just because they're not wearing the lactation consultant uniform doesn't mean that they're not lactation consultants but yeah 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 um and like sorry go on I probably say it every single time we talk about anything but like ask your midwives yeah, questions exactly first like line. write down questions before even before you've had your baby if there's things that you haven't managed to find the answer to yeah. in your preparation have those questions with you ready to go so that when you're going in or your midwife is coming to you you say oh I have a book full of questions here about breastfeeding yeah. don't leave me before I know what this is and what that yeah. is um in that regard as well to ask your midwives or whoever you're linked with about kind of breastfeeding gadgets and equipment and what you need and what you don't need and don't be suck sucker like you can buy nothing of money. you don't have to yeah, buy you anything you can buy nothing um and i think everyone is kind of being led to believe that you have to have a nipple cream that you have to have compresses that you have to have a pump that you have to have a milk collector now that you have to have a shield on hand in case you need one yeah. and there's very few things that I would say are a must no. I would say maybe have one nipple treatment product silver cups to, ha- to hand they were my savior so the silver cups they're amazing yeah and you can you can get them second hand from a friend yeah. yeah, you know, like I think three people have used the ones that. Yeah, I... but that's that's what I mean. Like they're not they, they're not something that you have to go and buy. Uh, funny story: when I had my first um baby, I was so determined that I wouldn't buy like all those big brand items that cost a lot of money just because they say breastfeeding on them. So I was like to mm. my husband, "Now you're to go and get lanolin. Now not the purple tube." I was like, <laughs> lanolin you go to the counter in the pharmacy you ask them for lanolin <laughs> he went to eight pharmacies <laughs> oh because I was like do not pay 20 euro for that you come back here with lanolin and he was like um it was eight euro I was like thank you thank you and, an, and a system. very important thing to know about the one in the purple tube that everyone mm-hmm. thinks they have to have and that they have to be lashing onto their nipples from the word go is that it is not preventative no it is designed to heal your nipples when once they have a wound yeah so it is moist wound healing that that is designed for that there there's research to show that lashing it on after every feed does nothing to prevent you getting nipple damage if that's what's going to happen. Yeah. That That is much more about your position, baby's position, the latch, blah, blah, blah. Um, that you're far better probably just expressing a few drops of your colostrum and rubbing them in, that into your nipples. And letting them in the air with. if you don't have... But I would say probably, yeah, silver cups were yeah. 
good for me. I was very lucky. I never um, needed anything like that. Never had pain. And then everything else. Yeah, just that all these new fancy kind of Insta gadgets and gizmos of pumps and electric pumps and hand pumps and wireless pumps and pumps that connect to an app on your phone and yeah. milk collectors that go inside your bra and other things that you can wear when you're doing cartwheels around your garden and, and also bras and yeah all these fucking just, like just literally hold, yeah just wait i bought a stretchy material like sports bra and i cut two holes where my nipples stick out and that was my pumping bra yeah it cost me 12 euro <laughs> that's all I needed yeah. to be able to be hands-free pumping so just to like talk like it's absolutely fine and I think all of us as midwives would say we'd much we love these kind of chats so we'd much rather that people ask us do I need this do I need that yeah da, 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 da. um so yeah that's that's all my bits about deadly that was lovely Roisin starting breastfeeding very comprehensive Thanks. Um, so, <laughs> um, so we've kind of touched on it. I suppose we'll um, we're heading into old uh, ep- boom epic territory. Epic yeah. territory. Epic so episode. there was some language that is we wanted to kind of discuss that I think um, all three of us are we would say we don't really like it, although this is kind of the typical language that's used. So we have kind of used it during the episode. So exclusive breastfeeding um, is basically the definition of that is a baby that is just receiving breast milk and no formula top up. So even if your baby is getting 95% breast milk and 5% formula, that's not technically classed as exclusive breastfeeding. So we're not really into that language. I think it's, um, for me personally, it's kind of like, I mean, it's it's everything you don't want to be. It kind of diminishes the efforts of people who are doing everything they can to give the baby yeah. all of their breast milk. And you can be giving a baby all of your breast milk and it doesn't, it's still not, you know, you need to give formula. It doesn't mean... I don't know. I just, I'm just not really, I don't really like it. I can totally see where that comes from. Like the impact of that, that that language has on people who are trying really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. But I also have a tiny like voice in the back of my head that because I had such a difficult feeding experience and with low supply and I had to give probably, I'd say... 75 to 80 percent formula and the rest breast milk that like it's so stupid because it just does this thing in the back of my hand that I would love to be able to say I exclusively breastfed Mm, mm, mm. Mm. yeah I know just because that held such weight for me then but I I totally get that the weight of that has a negative impact the other way as well yeah and I think like it's the same with successful breastfeeding as well. Yeah. You know, like she successfully breastfed. Like what does that even mean? Like what yeah. is yeah. successfully breastfeeding is means different things to different people for some yeah. people. And I definitely be... spent so long saying that I was pretending to breastfeed or that my breastfeeding didn't count because it it was there was more formula than breast milk. But all of my feeding was at the breast. Exactly. And like it took me such yes. a long time and to, to count that. 
It all counts. Yeah. Even if even if somebody just wants to give drops of colostrum in the birthing room, it still exactly. counts. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. And I think the thing with those it. terms is that it does it just creates that polarity. Yeah. Like I can see that even in wanting to say for myself that I exclusively breastfed there's a polarity in that because it's I'm saying that matters in some way other yeah. than what I did but what I did was perfect so important yeah, yeah. and valuable yeah. and worthwhile to me and to Nell and for loads of other reasons yeah exactly um yeah I think that that's um I think there's so much like like with everything there's so much language that can be interpreted in so many ways and there's just one or two terms that are like the accepted terms for things i i actually find the term like the golden hour kind of irks me a little bit because like <laughs> because again i feel it puts this like weight yeah. on people you know and it's like i know what you mean it's you know you feel well if i didn't get that golden mm. hour am i not gonna get a golden baby like I don't know it just I find it just a yeah, bit no uh, I totally get what you, you mean you know and and just like if your baby goes to NICU. on a situation yeah. that's already so f- fueled with other exactly. expectations exactly yeah. yeah like you know you can do skin to skin at any time um obviously um I love watching videos or even pictures of those like nine steps of that initial skin to skin and the stages that babies do and that when they're awake and when they're mooching and when they're you know resting and you know all these things but they'll still do lots and lots of other things when you have them skin to skin at any time yeah um and so I just yeah something about it irks me but I think you know I was separated from my first baby for I mean it was only about an hour but you know, it's just that whole... Uh. Well, it's when someone kind of tries to say, when someone then places that whole experience on a pedestal, yeah, it kind of exactly. makes... You can't help but go, oh, I didn't get that is... Yeah, absolutely. Is, is, you know, and then you're kind of justifying it to yourself. Like Martha obviously went to the NICU, so we we didn't get skin skin, Yeah. Um, you know, till the next day. Yeah. And, yeah. you know... Um, you do you kind of run it all through your head so I, I do understand but I suppose then also we still need to set precedence for what exactly exactly like yeah. should be protected like that that time just because yeah. not everybody gets it it doesn't mean that that's not what we should be aiming for absolutely Amy yeah 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 absolutely but then no more than with lots of other things in our job you know when somebody has a fixation on something and you think oh well, god I hope that this works out and that they get this because they are so fixated on it that if they don't get it, they have they have it on this pedestal. And are they going to yeah. come tumbling down as a result of, you know, whatever happening that it that it doesn't occur, you know? Yeah, and that could be applied to all aspects. So like pregnancy, yeah. labor, birth. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Postnatal. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um. And then so, I think what we were going to talk about like society's role in breastfeeding, weren't we? Yeah, just what we think would like, like where is what would breastfeeding the in Ireland going? Be and where is it all going? Yeah, and so I'll again... tell you, I'll tell you where the RCPI think it's going. <laughs> <laughs> Do enlighten us, dear. Um, 
No, so basically in response to, I presume it was either the, it must have been more recent figures because it was it, it was released last year, 2021. Um, so the Royal College of Physicians Ireland, so the paediatric public health and the obstetric um, branches basically published a paper about in response to Ireland having such low breastfeeding rates. So it kind of talked about the roles that um, public health nurses lactation consultants, obstetricians, paediatricians, and then they referred to healthcare practitioners. And the word midwife wasn't actually used in the document once. Um, it's insane. So, I mean, obviously, while people agreed, midwives agreed with the sentiments, yes, there is more that people from different disciplines, it's a multidisciplinary, um, you know, that's what's going to make it work. That's what's going to increase numbers um, like a collaborative effort. The fact that we're not even going to recognise that the main people involved in breastfeeding in Ireland are midwives. Yeah. From a healthcare, you know, professional point of view, we are the main people. Yeah. We are the people uh, antenatally. Who are at we are the, the people initiation it, of like initiating breastfeeding. We're, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it was quite shocking the midwives association of ireland released a statement kind of they kind of asked they kind of called them into question basically um and they said well we were using healthcare practitioners as an umbrella term as but, a catch-all but they listed everybody else practically yeah 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 that's great and they it? kind of were talking about which you had mentioned roisin the new lactation posts that were coming yeah and um, the new lactation consultant posts which is great um, they are great and I think like if you kind of go on to the HSE's breastfeeding policy page like there's loads of really good things there that they're trying to achieve with those lactation consultant posts and I, I don't want to sound like I'm being negative about them like the whole so breastfeeding in healthy Ireland is sort of the overall policy for breastfeeding and where it's going in Ireland that was it termed from 2016 to 2021 so there's a new one of those reviews and plans due to be issued mm-hmm. i don't know when it's coming um but like basically it's saying that all hospitals and healthcare areas community health areas um across the country should be baby friendly hospital initiative and who marketing code compliant and we've touched on those before in other episodes but basically it's just about being pro breastfeeding doing things to promote breastfeeding in your hospital or your health area and not promoting formula or milk substitutes over breastfeeding practices Mm -hmm. and um running what's the word i'm looking for regular regular and uh kind of consistent breastfeeding promotion campaigns so like that's what should be happening across the board and the introduction of those lactation posts will be so helpful but I think what it's failing to acknowledge is that there's so much other things feeding into the success of breastfeeding on a societal absolutely or a cultural level absolutely that like we're not talking about the kind of economic inequalities of it or the gender inequalities of it or the need for paid maternity leave to make it easier to do or the removing of pressure to return to work and to switch to pumping or to stop feeding altogether or 
um, the commercial interests from formula companies or from other interested parties, product yeah. placement, yeah. all of this kind of thing that we're not, you know, we, I think a lot of the time society is really good at talking about the nutritional um, yeah. benefits yeah. of breastfeeding. But what we're not talking about is that all of the other things that are feeding into a person's ability to access information and resources and how, where they live and where they're from as in like socioeconomic mm. yeah. background yeah. totally skews how they access that information or if they access it at all yeah. um and kind of a total failure to acknowledge that infant feeding is massive business globally still and that like the practices of those businesses are sketchy at best mm-hmm. and I'll will I'll throw a couple of links into some articles that I've read about kind of politicization of breastfeeding and how really we need to be talking about this at that level yeah in order yeah, to make yeah. the changes that we want to see that like while all the lactation consultant posts are wonderful um and they will help people who are seeking that help it's not going to change those numbers that tara yeah. talked about at the top of the episode yeah we're not and we're like, not suddenly they gonna they have 90 percent yeah yeah. Until, until we're in a situation where your parent, you know, your mother has breastfed, your grandmother, yes, your sister, your aunt, your friend, until, until your people are surrounded, yeah, mm-hmm. until we're all just being constantly surrounded by people who are breastfeeding, and it becomes kind of ingrained, and mm-hmm. there's pe- there's family and peer support, because that's yeah. some things I hear from people, um. I've heard that from a few people kind of who were trying to access services and they were saying, well, I didn't even learn this. I learned this from my friend or my cousin actually had to show this. And that's actually amazing because that's how other cultures have done it. And that's how breastfeeding is carried on from us learning from other people who are breastfeeding. That overrides like what's happening at a policy level, that there's no undoing of that because it's it's the culture it's ingrained exactly yeah. and we whereas we seem to look at that as being a bad thing we're looking at that as yeah well I have to learn from my peers I have to learn from I have to ask my friends questions I and it's like that's okay yeah that's the, that's, that's the that's dream the, is that yeah. everyone has this knowledge to hand and can help each other exactly and it's not exactly um yeah yeah but then I think we can get into a whole thing about the like uh patriarchal society and uh, the setup of maternity care under that kind of patriarchal umbrella where everybody has to look up 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 and we need like all those people to tell us what to do and we can't just figure it out for ourselves because you know we're just feeble women um (laughs) anyway sorry i was about to go off on one there and we're already at um an hour and 11 minutes so okay (laughs) (laughs) but that would be one of my biggest takeaways if for no other reason that you might consider breastfeeding consider it a political act whoop whoop Amy give us a funny story yeah we asked for funny stories apparently there aren't many funny stories so (laughs) I'll share one of mine Um, I recently went out to Tori Amos and I left a bottle of expressed breast milk that I'd taken from the freezer um, and just as the show was about to start I did one last check on my phone and there was several messages from my partner uh, top one being are you sure this what you've left is milk <laughs> I was like 
not the next message. Not really sure this is milk. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it looks like milk. Uh, I've heated it up. And then the last message was, I'm not going to give this to her. I'm not 100% convinced that this is what she's been drinking for the last nine months. And then I next message, he's like, I gave her some ready made formula. I was like, Grant came home and um, the bottle of what I thought was express breast milk was on the counter, picked it up. I was like, this looks like milk, drank it, lime juice that I put aside for margaritas. And would you believe I went out again recently and I took another thing out and guess what it was? Lime juice. <laughs> at, some point, at some point I saved batches and batches of lime juice in express milk bottles. Put them in the fridge. I was wondering what the container was. I was like, is she putting this into the bags? Like into- No, no, no. I was, yeah, an express. Because someone was like to me, well, surely maybe he took out, my friend was like, did he take out the wrong bottle? And I was like, no, no, no. It's a milk bottle. Uh- <laughs> Anyway, Martha yeah. just needs to get started on. She needs to get started on the marks. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's so funny. <laughs> Very good. Label your milk. Clearly, <laughs> and your lime juice. And what your lime a, juice. What a waste <laughs> of your lime juice, Amy. You're gonna have to get more. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I felt like a really bad mom, but um, it's Grant. All right. No. No babies were harmed. Like you didn't give her an actual margarita. So I no, think you're exactly, grand. Like, yeah, you're exactly. Grand. You're right. <laughs> she would have slept grand. all night and all. Yeah. <laughs> um, did we cover kind of the dear Fanny thing? Did we answer oh, that question by talking about the We did answer pain. that question. It was about pain. It was basically um, why do people say that breastfeeding isn't painful when I was experiencing pain for the first couple of weeks, even though my latch, everything was normal. Mm. So I think we've kind of, I think the difference is you gals kind of said it there. Like there's a difference between discomfort as opposed to pain, nipple trauma. Um, The pain shouldn't last. There is a certain amount of hazing that your nipples have to hazing. go through. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good way like, of describing it. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. And that's like, just to touch on that, um, because I'm doing my lactation course that we did like a whole segment on persistent pain and nipple pain and how like after a certain period of time, as Tara said, like you shouldn't be kind of wincing for longer than 30 seconds. It should be like tolerable. And um, there is sort of like lots of information out there for healthcare professionals to use like midwives, public health nurses, GPs, uh, lactation consultants who are supporting you of sort of like a protocol to follow of of doing a really full thorough assessment Mm. of your feeding your feeding history like the history of your breasts and nipples in general like if you've super sensitive nipples before you ever got pregnant or if you've had things like um Raynaud's phenomenon where you have like Phasospasm. Not issues with blood supply. Nipple spasm. Thank you. Um, Like those are all really important things to know then if you're experiencing persistent pain. So just to know that, as Amy said, there's some hazing, but it shouldn't go on and on and on. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think there was a few years there where people were constantly uh, diagnosing thrush. It was being totally overdiagnosed. So there's definitely a pullback from that now. 
toothbrush can't mm, happen. Don't even get me started um, on the overdiagnosis of tongue ties and lip ties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's not get you started on that. All right, we're going to wrap up. Um, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. This is proper old school, an hour and 15. Um, find That's us actually on, quite good by all standards. Find us on Instagram. Considering the topic. At Yannick uh, underscore boom underscore pod. Please email us yannickboompodcast at gmail.com. This is a top 10 listen podcast. We have featured twice recently. Our two most recent episodes have been in the top 10 on the Apple Science Ireland charts. Our, uh, our potty award is coming to us any day It's on the now. way. It's on the way. The, uh, the iHeartRadio Awards, I think we we're up against uh, Sean Hayes um, in uh, Smartless. That's what we're, we're up against Smartless for, for an award. No. Um, okay. Sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> listen and subscribe. Yes. Do all those things. <laughs> Tell your friends to listen as well. Uh, because that costs nothing and we'd really appreciate it. Over and out. Over and out. Thank you so much. See you again soon. Thanks, Amanda. Bye. Bye. While we are medical professionals and we love answering your questions, this pod should never be used in place of a real-life consultation with a midwife or a doctor. If you have a serious concern about your health or a medical emergency, please go to your GP or to a hospital.